everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 315, the Premier League season preview. Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined with Sam and Eddie. Boys, how goes it? I'm actually feeling pretty inspired today. You know, we wrapped up the, the previous episode by discussing which event we'd be most likely to win a gold in, and now I feel more confident that I can, in the next three years, become a pitcher in the major leagues. I don't know if you saw that the record was set for the slowest strike ever thrown in Major League Baseball. Ooh. How no, slow? Wait, wait, well, wait. I have a question first. Was it a knuckleball? It was not a knuckleball. It was oh, one, wow. an EFIS pitch. It's the loopy ones. Yeah. So you want to guess I, yeah, how slow? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. Frank, what is your guess? 48 miles an hour. All right. Sam? Uh, I would have gone like 58. I still think it has to be pretty fast, relatively speaking. So your guess is 58? Bang on. Well. <laughs> wait, wait, are you answering it yourself? I, I'm so confident. No, Eddie guessed it right. I said 58. He said 58. It's right. Well, All you're right. both way too high. It was 31 oh. miles per hour. Oh, wow. Wow. How, that, how can you even throw 31 miles an hour? It's impressive to throw a strike from 60 feet away at 31. It is very loopy. It goes out of camera shot, basically. Um, now, admittedly, the angle of the camera is a bit weird to try and, you know, like it, the camera makes it look as if it's gone higher than it really has. But still, he's had to throw it significantly higher and sort of, I'm going to guess, like 12 feet up, probably, to get it. So to it's kind of like in. a softball almost. like the Pretty much, yeah. It and bring it down. Wow. I mean, it's and, it's not wow. far off the speed of an underarm softball toss. And, and was it was it one of those weird ones where it was truly intentional, or is it just released too early and somehow got the oh, no, no, no. thing ever? No, no, no. It was truly intentional. Okay. It was. It, it's the situation when you're only ever going to see that thrown, which is an outfielder has come into a game to pitch because the team's getting blown out and they don't want to risk the arm of an actual pitcher. So he has come in to throw his pitches. Now, the crazy thing is, I, I can't remember the exact sequence, but he followed up the 31 mile an hour slow, like, let's call it a changeup, with like a 72 mile an hour fastball, maybe even a little bit quicker. So the, the disparity there between his changeup and his fastball was huge, still by major league standards, very slow. But he got out of the inning without giving up a run. That's impressive. But now the issue, Eddie, is technically you wouldn't be an MLB pitcher. You'd have to be a major league outfielder who then can pitch on the side (laughs) to make the majors. Or I come in just as a specialist closer. I get even slower. (laughs) When teams are down by 30, you come down (laughs) to just finish the game. (laughs) Ceremonially waving to the crowd. This is how you know it's over. Um, it is interesting though, because you do see major league players then it, they fundamentally are hitting softballs 
it is like playing in a softball game. And for example, you saw one of them just try and step across the plate as you would in a softball game to try and hit it. You got like they're they're they don't know what to do with their their trigger, their, the trigger movement that they have to set themselves going because then they don't know how to time it because normally yeah. it would be like around the release point, but then now it's so much slower. It's it's pretty fascinating to watch them. You can see their brains working as the pitch is coming that slowly and just not really being able to handle it. I mean, obviously they could handle it, but they're just not it's, used to it. It's like the classic Bryce Harper when he was walking around DC and went into a softball game and the first pitch he terribly missed, but then the second one he hit like a bomb. His brain worked really quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's an adjustment period. I think one of these guys, one of the outs that the pitcher got was on the warning track. So <laughs> it's not like they didn't connect at some point, but yeah. And then my other amusing thing I saw, I was watching funny stories from the Olympics and we never discussed it. I don't know if you saw the French marathon runner who knocked over all the other water bottles. Yes. Yes. No, I did Hot, see this. Hotly debated though, because people still don't think it's intentional. hundred percent intentional. No way. Okay. I actually think it's really quite hard to do the way he knocks. I mean, his hand is open. The way he knocks them all over and grabs the final one, quite tough. I admire yeah. it because if he grabbed the first one and then knocked the others off, people would have known that he was intentionally doing it. He's gone the risky way that could have ended with him having no water either. But And I also like it because you see the slow-mo of the guys, the other guys behind hand, him, directly behind him, yeah. like desperately trying to grab some <laughs> water. Just <laughs> there was another table five meters ahead, though, in the yeah. next shot, but no, it is still really funny. It's gamesmanship. I mean, it is against the Olympic spirit, but it is pretty impressive. Unless he has a running style where he's open palmed the whole time, it's intentional. But I think I the guy behind him didn't he end up getting silver or bronze, and then that I guy got. Know. 15th it was something ironic like that where the guy who didn't get the water and kind of got screwed ended up uh meddling could he have gold then if he maybe did get the water when he wanted oh, it yeah exactly he got it I like mean, a second later but you never know it's interesting to think right would you get if you just ran up and flipped the table as you ran <laughs> like would you get wwe style do you get disqualified like what happens is, is as you Not, the entire length of the course, as soon as you run up to one of those tables, you you grab one bottle, flip the table, and keep going. I don't think they'd disqualify you until the end. It would almost be like a steward's inquiry, and it would be like after the race is done. Steward's inquiry. <laughs> you hear the music? Do, do, do. Yeah. Do, do. <laughs> Please hold all bets. This Please guy bets. exhausted at the end of the race, and you're like, do. Dude. <laughs> the guy's like <laughs> celebrating and then the inquiring all the people are like, oh. <laughs> and you just see this marathon runner go up into the steward's room trying to explain why he flipped a table <laughs> you have the, the runner behind him I clearly had a clear path to the water and he flipped over that table and there was nothing I could do There's he, no completely true impe There's he no impeded true he impeded my water grabbing <laughs> so Today is the day, right? This is our episode dedicated to our Premier League preview. Yeah, and a lot of pressure on us because last year we did so well in our predictions, including on our hot takes for the season. 
I don't actually know if I have any hot takes this year, which I think makes my hot takes. I like the idea of not being forced into a hot take and that the hot take is a genuine stop stop saying stop hot saying take. hot take <laughs> <laughs> but that it's we're so genuine. comfortable in our podcasting now that we just say the same yeah. words over his, and over again his hot yeah. takes are selling like hot cakes it's crazy oh <laughs> it was good looking at last season uh, what i what we predicted what happened so for instance like the sheffield united getting relegated one i actually felt pretty confident about that but when you look at uh, review sites, preview sites of the season last. A lot of people were putting Sheffield Wednesday at uh, United. There we go. Slipped back into terrible English. Uh, put Sheffield United at like 11th, 12th, 13th. So to say that they'll be relegated is a pretty good take. Oh, it was a genuine hot take. That and United finishing above Liverpool. Also uh, a big one. Yeah. I, I mean, I think this year I would be impressed if one of us could predict the top five in order. I think it's a pretty up-in-the-air top five. It's it's definitely a more realistic competition than last season. Because last season was very much like, was it Man City, was it Liverpool? Then what will the rest do? Whereas this one, with the signings, yeah. with the way it looks, the top you could four make, look very good. You could make a case for you know any of the top four to be second, third, or fourth. I mean, I think the consensus for one will be the same, but unless Maybe. Eddie has a hot take. He said he doesn't have a hot take this year, so I'm assuming I'm assuming I know what his pick is for the win. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll spoil it now. I'm picking City to win to win the league. But yeah. yeah. I mean I Sam I, is not. I was tempted to actually say, do we need to do a Premier League preview? And should we instead not just do a Ligue 1 preview now that you know I'm in Paris, it's being messy fever is sweeping the city. I saw that uh, the line on the Champs-Élysées to go to the official club store today to get a messy shirt was like two hours long, which I I don't get. I went online. <laughs> I know. Just also, it's Wait not as week. if he's, he hasn't signed for some <laughs> tiny club. They already have superstars. They spend tons of money. It's not as if, oh, for the first time ever, we have this huge player playing for us. It's very weird to me, but... Good for Actually, them. let me ask something quick before we obviously get on to, to what we were talking about. Is he the best player on that club right now, today? No. No. It's just the age is the problem with that yeah. statement, I think. Uh, you can't. You could utilize Mbappe every game if you wanted to. You you know you can't with Messi this season. I mean, I think Neymar is the best player on the team. I think Mbappe has something to prove this season in terms of consistency, just because he was not that impressive last year and he wasn't that impressive in the Euros either. So I think Mbappe has a little bit of a point to prove. And if I were him, I'd almost be a little nervous now because now that it's a sort of three-headed monster up front for them, there is the possibility that he very much becomes the third string out of it. Um, But I think Neymar is the best as much as it pains me to say it, but I do think he is the best player. The the issue with Neymar is he'll be in Brazil in March. Yeah. So it's yeah. <laughs> Eddie loves that joke. It's That's not like a the joke. fourth time he said it on the podcast. It's not a joke. It is true. I mean <laughs> at least like the third it, time he said that in response. It, it's painfully 
amazing how uncompetitive that league is going to be this year. Like you felt already, okay, Lille obviously did some massively like turned it up last season, but you feel like Neymar, Messi and Mbappe in that league is almost cheating. Like for one team to have that kind of star power in the quality of the league of, you know, the depth of the league. Yeah. It almost feels like it's cheating. I think it's bad for French football. I think a lot of people think, I speak to people here, they have the impression that no, the best player in the world, maybe the best player out of all time playing in France is a sort of stamp of approval for where the game is now. But I do think, I mean, if PSG don't win the league comfortably, it will be one of the biggest upsets in the history of European football. And I week in, week out, it's going to be painful to watch them be able to be in third gear, to be resting one of their superstars every week if they wanted to, and still be head and shoulders above all of their competition. Not helped by the fact that Monaco and Lille both slipped up in the opening weekend, so are already behind PSG even before this. Um, I think it's really bad for French football. I think if I were a supporter of another club, it would depress me. And I think overall for the future of the league, it's not a good thing. Wow, what a chipper way to start this preview. <laughs> well, it's just pointless to talk about that league anymore. Like the fact that you can have a team that is so sure about winning the league that it will just focus on the European competition is crazy. Like that that's that's insane when you think um when well, you think like we'll go into the preview, but when you think like man you can sign who they've signed for a hundred million plus and not be in any way, shape or form favourites to win the league. Like there's a depth there with that league, whereas league on. I mean, it, it already felt a bit like this anyway. And I think last year kind of m- makes it misleading as to how small the, I, I think it makes people feel like the gap was small between PSG and the other teams. But in reality, they just had a poor season where they did everything wrong. Um, but basically the French league is what the Scottish premiership was when Rangers were not in it. And it's just how many points will Celtic win by and who's finishing second and who's going down. And you're just playing for scraps. And I don't think that's a good setup for a league. But anyway, on that note, we can move to a league where that very much is not the case, which is the Premier League. Yeah. So I think, should I go first in the order in which I think they'll finish? Yeah, please do. Kick us off. I have City winning the league. I have United finishing second. I have Chelsea finishing third. Liverpool finishing fourth. And Arsenal finishing fifth. Ooh. That is contingent on the assumption that Harry Kane is leaving Spurs. If Harry Kane stays at Spurs, I will bump Spurs to fifth. Uh, okay, okay, we'll leave the Spurs, you know, that kind of European fight because that's an interesting one in itself, both tiers of it. Okay, I'll go next because it's easy. Swap out Arsenal for Leicester and you've got the same track. So you've got Man City winning the league, Man U second, Chelsea third, Liverpool fourth, Leicester fifth. Even with Kane staying, I would still have Leicester as fifth. So I'm a little different than you guys in the fact that 
I'm taking Liverpool for you guys both have, I think, fourth and dropping them into second. I'm going to go City, Liverpool, United, Chelsea, and I'll go Leicester as fifth as well. Leicester Spurs, I think, is very close. Hmm. But we... obviously, it could be less close if if Kane leaves. So we're all picking City, right? Yeah, we are, any, yeah. Any any take from whoever was going to choose the preview for them on kind of what, <laughs> what it looks good for? I mean, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on why I think they will successfully defend their title. And again, I would like to, if they are about to sign Harry Kane, I would feel extremely confident in this prediction. I think if they sign Harry Kane, it is impossible to imagine them being caught. I think the signing of Grealish is a good one. In the long run, he will prove to be worth that money. I think he has the, p- the potential to be a world-class player, particularly if Pep instills in him the type of work rate that he gets into his players. You know, the discussion post-Euros was that Grealish didn't play as much as people thought he should have because Southgate didn't trust him to put in the work from a midfield position that he wants his players to do. You know with... Guardiola, he gets his players to commit to the level of work ethic. You know, City outwork teams in addition to being more skilled and better than them. And you just look at the transformation in Raheem Sterling's game under Pep to see what he can do to a player. So I think Grealish is a good signing. It's not necessarily what they needed. It's not a position that they're weak in. And for a team that lost the Champions League final with no true strikers or forwards up front to kind of double down by signing another attacking midfielder seems a bit bizarre but the reason i'm very very confident in them is the fact that defensively they are so solid and if anything assuming that they don't have some of the injuries defensively that they actually had last year you would expect them to be even better last year uh, they conceded an average of 0.62 expected goals Per game. So if you imagine, you know, if you're if wait, you're wait. going into match, how does that they can see uh, expected, an amount so of expected, expected goals? goals. Yeah. No, so, so expected ex- goals are like the. It's, this will probably feature a lot now. Yeah. So an so expected, so they're so they're conceding less than the amount they were expected no, to. No, no. Hold on. Okay. So the expected goals number is basically um, there is. They break down where you have had chances. They, they look at the chances that where you've had the ball and decided from that position how often would an average player score from where that was. It's a little bit like um, wins above replacement for, from a baseball perspective. Okay. And so for City, basically what they're saying is per game, an average player with the chances that they conceded or the chances that they allowed, we should say, they would have they would have conceded an average of zero point six two goals per game. Got it. If you see, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much I believe in the expected goals um, figure. It seems a bit odd to me. The number often seems wrong, and I understand wins above replacement in baseball, for example. I struggle a little bit with the idea of what an average player does and then thinking, well, obviously Harry Kane is much, much better than an average finisher. So I don't know how well I convert 
expected goals when you might be playing against players well above average. But yeah, that's that's the figure. Defensively, incredibly solid. They will continue to be. I'm assuming they're going to add Harry Kane, in which case I think they become an almost unstoppable force in the league this season. Not to PSG levels, though. No. What if... <laughs> What if I told you I already did the very American thing? I don't know what that is. Oh, I should not be able to guess it. Bought a gun Got and it. went and shot no. a public place. <laughs> <laughs> Ordered my Grealish kit. Oh, but from a knockoff one from China. Yes. Yeah, okay. Does that scare you? <laughs> There's been there's been some amazing stories in the UK of all these Villa fans, because obviously it was such a, like, he was the the main man at Villa and all these people went to the club shop, bought the shirt, obviously got the uh, the number and the uh, name ironed on and then within minutes he had left. <laughs> it's like, that must suck. Well, except you're an idiot because they were speculating that he was... going. They were speculating that he was leaving since like midway through the Euros. So All I'm saying is it must suck. I'm not saying they're not idiots. No, I think you <laughs> like, get what you deserve. I don't think they. I have no sympathy for them. <laughs> I, I, I mean, going back to Man City, the, you're right about the defensive solidity, but also Grealish is like wildly expected in the Premier League last season to get like the most assists in a game, almost by a mile. Um, and all they've done is add to something that they're already very good at doing anyway. I think if they get the out and out goal scorer striker, it will just complete the only slight negative points surrounding their team at the moment and if they got someone like Kane they'd be near on perfect in terms of like a lineup of depth and breadth throughout it so I can't see anyone else except City. Obviously maybe just worth addressing the players they've lost only two of which are notable I would say in and that's Sergio Aguero who I mean almost became a bit part player last season anyway. And as we touched on in the previous episode, has immediately suffered an injury <laughs> upon arrival in Barcelona. <laughs> and Eric Garcia, who also has gone to Barcelona on a free, that's a little bit more of a blow for them because he did come in and do a good job. But, And I wouldn't be stunned if they went out and signed another central defender at some point because I don't have a lot of faith in Nathan Ake. But if they can have their first choice with the return to form of John Stones, if they can have Stones and Laporte healthy, I think that they're fine. So I guess the next area is kind of that race for the Champions League football, right? That we've kind of, we've said similar teams, but some are just missing, some are changing positions. So what is it? Second, third and fourth get you in the Champions League uh, just through league outright. Um, we've gone similar, haven't we, Eddie? So we've gone Man U, then Chelsea, then Liverpool. Um, I, I think the, the interesting thing about Man U and Chelsea uh, compared to Liverpool is that they've signed in really good areas. So um, they've signed what they needed, their marquee signings as well. Chelsea probably getting Lukaku now. You've got Man U having Sancho and Varane. So they're signing where they needed these players on top of what they're already doing. The interesting thing about Liverpool for me and why I put them below all of them is that 
a lot of things I read about Liverpool, because they haven't strengthened, a lot of people have had to kind of go to other reasons why they could be good. So they've said things like the return of Van Dyke, which of course will be massive. That, that will be huge for them. But then the next best thing I hear from a couple of pundits or people on Twitter or preview websites is that having Anfield uh, uh, occupation, like fully occupied, yeah, having fans again will really help Liverpool. And it's like... <laughs> I, occupied I, yeah occupied Liverpool. <laughs> the invading force is going to occupy Anfield. but for me it just screamed of like an argument for a very optimistic liverpool fan uh to say something like that which is why i put them below. i mean look i think there is a certain logic behind the saying that their home field advantage will return for some teams in a way that they didn't have it previously not only for their own performances but also the pressure that gets put on officials which obviously var has removed slightly because you don't get the soft penalty anymore. But still, if the on-field decision is one way, then you know it, it can obviously change even what VAR can, how it can impact the match. I, I think the big argument for Liverpool is that they just underperformed so drastically last year that even though they haven't strengthened, it's the question of can they be that bad again? In my mind, yeah. the answer is yes. But I can understand someone saying no. And again, yeah, so- if you look at the if you look at the expected goal stats that Frank loves, they <laughs> were horribly efficient at taking chances last year and should have been much better than they were. Yeah, I mean for me the reason I put them second is because you have Virgil van Dyke is coming back and he's such a dynamic player. Um I think he's obviously gonna help them out tremendously. But then if also if you look kind of what Eddie was saying, they st- they played so poorly until the end when they took 26 points from a possible 30 at the end of the season. So they finally did start to get back on track there. And I think if that's the form they can come out in and play at that level with Van Dyke back, I think they are a very solid second place team and kind of get back to that previous form they had. And, and they definitely, you know, did not sign any sign. Anyone really have any big signings, which is, is concerning, but at the same time, they still have most of that t- like core team back from when they won, and now you have Van Dyke back from injury. So I think it's a good club. You, you know, they. If it were two years ago, you'd say they don't need to sign anyone new because they had won, right? So I, I, I think if they can play the way they were playing towards the end, I think they're going to be up there, and that's kind of why I picked them to be second. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, right? Famously, it's true in a lot of aspects of life, but I think in the Premier League, it's always the case. If you aren't moving forwards, you are moving backwards. And what would worry me about Liverpool is they've not moved forwards now for 24 months. And that is a long time for everyone else around them to keep moving forwards, which you've definitely seen in the case of Chelsea and United. City, maybe less so, but they were very good anyway. But, you know, you have seen the gap close to those teams that were previously 30 points behind them and it worries me i mean their only signing so far is konate who yeah from leipzig he's a good defender it gives them a little bit of more strength there in central defense but you're also they're betting a lot on virgil van dyke coming back from a very serious injury at exactly the same level he was and not getting injured again I don't like. Those. They're they're comparing to Van Dyke. I already saw. Yeah, well, that's his comparison in his in his style. 
this play. They can, they can compare. Yeah. <laughs> but this is this is my problem with it, is you've got people like Salah and Mane that are now two years older than when they won the title. And and that matters. It's like that moving not moving forward thing. Like they they're twenty four months older than when they won the league. And I, I think that's a, that is a problem. That is a problem for a team that relied on a solid high press and a quick break. And when you need those quick legs, they've lost them slightly. And I mean, let's I not to compare Liverpool to Blackburn, but you know, Blackburn's oh demise in the mid 1990s was out of winning a league and then not continuing to push on. And most famously in the case where Jack Walker is alleged to have said, why do we need to sign Zinedine Zidane? We have Tim Sherwood. Now, what a correct statement. <laughs> it didn't age well, if it is true. But, and I'm sure someone will point out, I think it sometimes gets attributed to Howard Kendall at times. But anyway, the point remains the same. You have to keep pushing forward. And Liverpool just haven't for, a, for a, quite a long time now. Now, United, who we've all put in the top four, have definitely strengthened, I think, as you said, Sam, with Varane and with Sancho. They've strengthened in the areas. There's only one area they kind of are still missing someone, which is similar to City, a true out-and-out goal scorer. Cavani may well be able to do the job for this season, but when you are competing on multiple fronts, it's a little bit worrying for me that you're relying on an aging striker to play. He's going to have to play a lot of matches. And then with everyone else who comes in to play for them up front, there are just major question marks. Not in terms of quality necessarily, because I think Rashford's a great player, but is he a true goal scorer that you can lead the line for you? I'm not sure. And so that's the to me, that's the reason why I can't see them really challenging City for the title. But I do think they've done well this summer. So if they don't challenge City for the title, but you've got them a second, do you think it's going to be a bit of a blowout this year? I think if City sign Kane, it will be a 10-point gap. I think if they don't sign Kane, I think it will be 5 or 6, but a 5 or 6-point gap that kind of is that size of a gap for the final couple of months of the season, and you always feel as if, well, City are going to win the title, even though maybe mathematically with four matches to play, there's a scenario in, in which they could be caught, but you just deep down know, right, they have everyone at arm's length here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What about Chelsea then? In terms of their signings? So obviously Lukaku is uh, basically there. Uh, just won the Super Cup as well with, with some... Um, so that's obviously a good boost, a good start to it. But um, what are your thoughts on Chelsea's signings or Chelsea's team at the moment? Well, it all comes down to Lukaku, right? If they sign Lukaku, he is definitely a more complete goal scorer than Timo Werner. So, well, I, I mean, like he's going to sign, right? There wasn't reports today. He just flew into London. He just yeah, landed he never, in London this yeah, morning. Until it happened. It's one of those weird ones. Like we all said Kane, didn't we? And yeah. now look at it. You it's know, it's, it's, it's obviously back. more advanced than Kane, but still until, I don't want to say yeah. for sure. Who knows? He could fail a medical, you know, anything could happen. Um, he could fail the medical. Yes. But I think, yeah. you, I think you already took it at Inter. Okay. Said. <laughs> but, you know, until it's done, done, I'm assuming Lukaku is signing for them and 
quite possibly even playing for them in the first match of the season. But, you know, an, an interesting return for him back to Chelsea. Uh, a very weird career path to end up in the situation he might have expected eight years ago. Uh, but aside from that, they've just signed Marcus uh, Bettinelli from Fulham on a free. They've not lost much. Uh, Tamori went to AC Milan, but he was out on loan anyway. And then aside from that, it's just a bunch of contracts basically expiring. So they've not really lost anyone you would think would have played a part. So, you know, Champions League winners, UEFA Super Cup winners, uh, FA Cup losing finalists. There's a lot of reasons to think they'll be good. I don't think, I think Lukaku will make them more consistent in the league. But again, I don't think he does enough. That signing alone does enough to close the gap on City. They already had a really good team as well. You know, you look at like Mason Mount, they had Reese James, Chilwell, Kante. Um, Tuchel was clearly utilizing them well as well. So I think if they can kind of kick on and keep going, they could be really good this year. But they they showed themselves to be a really good cup team, didn't they? So it's curious how they can equate that to an improved league because they only got in right on the final day against Leicester, if I remember rightly, because of Leicester kind of slipping up. Yeah, I mean, there would have been any anyway from their Champions League victory, but yeah, they qualified twice. But I mean, you're right that, you know, when the manager, new manager came in, had an instant impact on them. I would be... slightly fearful that every manager has a honeymoon period or most managers have a honeymoon period and this is the second season sort of slump that occasionally happens where that new energy that you inject and he's not exactly the warmest character in the world so you know Chelsea is one of those clubs when the when the cracks start to appear they turn into massive chasms very very quickly and so I'd like to see him get a solid season under his belt before I started thinking, yeah, real title contenders now. So now that we've mentioned both of them, not asking who's the better player, but what's the better signing and fit? Is it Lukaku or Sancho? I think Sancho's the better signing. I think he's really good. I think he's strangely underrated in many respects, when you look at just how good he was with Dortmund. Now, I know when they talk about chances created in assists, you maybe have to throw it out slightly because he's supplying the most lethal striker in European football at the moment. Maybe aside from Lewandowski, that's probably a a knock on him. But, you know, he's not got Haaland up front at United now to feed the ball to. I still think he could turn into a truly world-class player. And Lukaku is very, very good. I don't think Lukaku is world-class. So this season, you might get immediate returns on Lukaku. I think over the next two or three seasons, Sancho will prove to have been the better signing. So I guess that brings us down to the fifth-place teams. So we had Arsenal... Leicester and Spurs kind of floating in that area. Yeah. So you two have gone Leicester. The Europa League. And I've gone Arsenal. I mean, Eddie, I I want to hear 
why you're so positive on Arsenal after just ripping Sam apart for an entire year. I don't think it's super positive to put them in fifth. Uh, You know, look, I think Ben White is a very solid addition to their team. I think, I mean, Sam can go into more detail about what they've managed to do this summer, but, you know, defense, you have big questions defensively for them. I don't think you have ever have questions about whether or not they can create chances and score goals. So if Ben White proves to add a little bit more, you know, solid defending at the back for them, then they have to get better. And then for me, it's just they have all of these young players, including, say, Saka, for example, who had a an up-and-down summer, shall we say, but still, for the most part, I think, caught people's eye and showed what he can really be as a player. And I think you have to expect that one or two of them take another step forward, in which case, to me, they're just better than Leicester. It's, yeah, I mean, Ben White's a really good signing because actually Arsenal had a, a weirdly opposite season to what you were saying last just then, Eddie, because last season, Arsenal were actually very good defensively. I think only maybe one or two teams conceded less. But the thing is, the type of defender they had made them very good at things like defending set pieces. But if you were going to play through balls, that it was, it still looked bad or frail. Let's just call it a bad thing. Ben White is very good at stopping that. He was very good at doing it with Brighton. So to give you an idea, Brighton only conceded the sixth least. And considering where they finished, that's a pretty impressive statistic to have for someone like Ben White. I think it doesn't sound like Arsenal have finished, which is good. So Erdegaard is still being considered. Uh, Madison would be a very interesting signing if uh, if they did get him. But the closer that gets to the season, the less I see that happening. But what I like about Arsenal this season is that that feeling of a bloated squad has gone. This is Arteta's team now, in my opinion. And um, however trying to be realistic about Arsenal. They've been eighth the last two seasons. And then you have to think, okay, well, how how far can they go up? If you think they're progressive, how far can they truly go up? We've already said that the top four look really good. <laughs> so that's unrealistic to say that. So really a jump this season for Arsenal, in my opinion, as a maximum is fifth or sixth. Just because of the teams above them are really good. I could see it happening, but I've got Arsenal down as like sixth. I think they'll get in Europe this season. Um, So I've got them as sixth. I've got them as qualifying. Um, A lot of it depends on the Spurs-Kane scenario. And also if they got Madison from Leicester, that would also be another one. But funny you should mention young players, Eddie, as well, because I do think Arsenal have got a lot of good players like Martinelli up front, Olympic gold medalist, which is how you measure a good football player. Um, was injured for most of it. So they're going to have a good young striker there. Um, Balogun was always being touted. He was sceptical about committing his future, but clearly Arteta has given in some assurances about first team. Again, another good out-and-out striker. Um, you've got Smith Rowe now signing a big deal and clearly going to play a big part. Um, and then you've got Saka returning, etc. So for me... I think Arsenal have got youth coming through in areas where players are like becoming the wrong side of 30, like Lacazette, Bama Yang. So I could see Arsenal having a pretty exciting season, but I can only see fifth or sixth being kind of the height of how far they can go. 
See, now this, I think, is just classic Sam. Underrank them and then come in with being super optimistic <laughs> three quarters through the season. Well, I mean, just he's... Just so... win like five games in a row and be like, well, Chelsea look a bit wobbly. The reverse is... <laughs> now, Sam, you and Frank have obviously picked Leicester to pip them. So I now have to... You now have to tell me how positive you are about Leicester. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so... I think Leicester were pretty brutally hit by quite a few injuries last year. I think Tielemans was the only person that played like a really solid amount of time. A lot of their players have pretty big chunks of time off. But the interesting for me is, again, it's this kind of like signing where you need signings. And the thing with Vardy is he's, what, 33, 34 now? And you saw last you season that, younger. That, game time, that game time was a little bit diminished. I'm pretty sure half of his goals were penalties as well. So you have to you have to kind of worry about what his um, open play capabilities are now. But they signed Patson Daka, who scored uh, what is it sixty one goals combined uh, in two years at Salzburg. So I think if he has a good start, they've they've kind of got that natural replacement and a young one as well, which is good. Um, the last two seasons, Leicester have lost Champions League football twice in a row on the last day, and it just makes me think that that top four, now that the top four, as I've put them, have strengthened or at least look good. Um, I just think Leicester and Rodgers have a really good way of knowing how to play. I don't think they've changed much in their team and it was good enough to be almost fourth, fifth last season. And I think where they might have a problem with someone like Vardy, I think they've got a really good replacement. So again, I think fifth or sixth, I've kind of got Leicester and Arsenal kind of battling that, but... No, no, you've predicted Leicester to finish fifth. Oh, yeah. Leicester to finish fifth, Arsenal yeah. to finish sixth. But like yeah, I yeah. said, that was... No, 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 no but you don't get to start... In my head. No, 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 but you don't get to start coming with, well, it was an interchangeable fifth or sixth for both of them, so I'm right no, as long as that's one... That's fine, but what I'm saying is that's what I wrestled with, is like, this is going to be close between the two. Um, but yeah, I, I did have Leicester, probably just for pedigree of where they've been compared to where Arsenal have been last couple of years. All right, Frank, anything to add as to why you've chosen Leicester for fifth? No, I, th- I think the same. I mean, kind of. I think Sam said it all. They they had some really good signings and filled holes that they needed. And kind of Vardy isn't getting younger, so I think you know he is starting to diminish a little bit. But I still think he'll be up there for for golden boot this year again so oh wow um the, yeah that's a, bold that's a hot take that's a hot take up up there i'm not saying he wins oh, it don't pull a sand i'll say top me. top three i would even i would even top say three. each way that is a what's yeah. each way five top three i think probably it's top three, three for that yeah. i would take that here was my question though for you for both of you does the summer disappointment affect a player like Saka coming in this year is there the chance that it affects him I think in the way that he's been universally I I mean I don't know if you saw when he came on as a substitute against Spurs he got a standing ovation by Spurs fans so that has to change at some point right the reality will set in that people are going to say some nasty things about him missing a penalty I think but let me throw this at you though if if that were to happen, if you were to come on the field and got a standing ovation, you don't think there's part of your brain that goes, why are they giving me a standing ovation? 
oh, that's right, because I massively fucked up the penalty, and now they're just <laughs> trying to support me. I, I you can't tell me the, you don't I partly think, it's think that. it's to do with the racism part of it yeah. and the standing with him, as opposed to being like, oh, well done for fucking up. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Sarcastic clapping. I do. But you know what, what I mean. Like Frank, I'll say this. Of course, if I were him, I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want it. Yeah. I want Spurs fans to boo, just boo me and hate me. I want that because I would. There would be an element of they don't fear me if they're doing this. That wouldn't. That would be in the back of my mind. That I want you to still hate me. But I think with when you see the way he seems to have handled it, I think it helps having someone like Arteta, who's a relatively inexperienced manager and coach, but an extremely experienced player. And you know, I think. I think he'll be okay. And I th- and he doesn't seem to lack confidence. I think he'll continue to take strides forward over the course of this season. So he's not going to pull a Jamie Tart and be on Love Island halfway through this season? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to go with no. Uh, Frank, for your hot take, by the way, Vardy's 25 to 1 and you can have first four places. And what is it? Fifth of the odds? quarter okay so pretty decent so we've we've basically all already shown our hands when it comes to who we think will finish sixth but just to confirm for me it's spurs for i'll i'm gonna go arsenal because i'm assuming kane leaves and sam you're you're going arsenal as well which then i can make it easy in seventh i have Leicester. A little bit of a fall from grace. Return to form. Return to what form? (laughs) So, over to you two. Who do you have finishing seventh? Spurs. Yeah, it's kind of this group of three again. Like, it's Everton, I mean, West Ham, if you ever think they're going to be there, and Spurs. But between Everton and Spurs, yeah, I'd probably go Spurs. I've still got Spurs, so... I think Arsenal will finally go above them for the first time in a while. Worth noting, right, that supposedly one of the Spurs signings, Christian Romero, is part of the reason why Messi decided he would leave Barcelona. This is all in the rumor mill. Yeah. Best buds from the time in Argentina, and supposedly Messi told Barcelona, if you're signing one person this summer, it's Romero. And Spurs signed him instead, and Messi decided, not the place for me anymore. I will leave the new camp, or the camp new, to make people happier. And yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if he has the level of impact on Spurs that Messi clearly thought he could have on Barcelona. I guess we've pretty pretty similar in that top eight. Are we eight or seven? Uh, seven. 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 We've all we've picked the same seven, not necessarily in the same order. I think this is where things will start getting a little bit more interesting. I'm gonna be last season I was a bit optimistic about Everton. My optimism will continue this year, and I have them finishing eighth. I I don't disagree with you, actually. I think 
um, Benitez is a pretty good replacement for Ancelotti as far as they go. And I think he will do a good job of managing the talent they already had. So I think it's a pretty good continuation of what they had relative to losing Ancelotti the way they did. I, I thought it was going to be classic Everton, go back to a bad manager or something like that. But to bring Benitez back in, I think is a smart move. So yeah, they're, they're eighth for me, actually. Isn't the Benitez signing, though, isn't that quite controversial? Well, it is, and that he's a former Liverpool manager, and he didn't say very positive things very about nice. Everton in, in the past. Yeah, but yeah. you know he's a good manager, and he's shown consistently that he gets teams to perform. So I think he will get the most out of that group of players. And there are some talented players there, and their signings have not been amazing, but they've been decent in you know bringing in the likes of Andrus Townsend, um, Damari Gray. Yeah, interesting that. James Rodriguez has been told basically he's no longer part of Everton's plans. I don't think that's a big blow given the fact that he spent most of last season injured. Now, Everton are the team, right? Their home form relative to where they finished in the Premier League last season. If you see what I'm saying there, it was the worst home form in the league relative to their finishing position where you would have expected if you're going to, you know, make the argument that crowds returning could help a club, then maybe having a packed Goodison will benefit Everton more than, say, having a packed Emirates will benefit Arsenal. Or maybe not packed, but 70% capacity Emirates. The thing I find with Goodison is that it they turn against you quickly, I find. Especially if it's like a live... I don't. I. I don't know why, but I've always just had this feeling that. You mean when they're watching matches on replay in the stadium? Yeah, I don't know. Just when you watch them, like when they've got like a non-conventional three o'clock game or like a Sunday game or half five midday, whatever it is, I just find that the second they're one nil down, two nil down, or underperforming within twenty, the crowd don't really get there. I think they they kind of turn against them pretty quickly. But yeah, I. I, I think having crowds back, Everton are the kind of club that will benefit from it. So. Frank, are you making it an Everton queen queen sleep? <laughs> clean sleep? Queen sleep. <laughs> Actually, I am. Yes. Oh, interesting. That's not a good sign for Everton. Right. So we can then move on to ninth. Sam, do you want to kick us off? Who you got there? Uh, this is where it gets really difficult. Because then you start looking... I mean, who, who was it last season that were there for a while? Like West Ham are really good and we haven't brought them up. But I worry about West Ham because having a slog of a Europa League season with a team that went through what they did is going to be problematic for them. And I think that could be one of the reasons they might fall from grace with it. I actually, I, I liked Leeds last season and they did have a really good season, but are they better than what West Ham did? I don't think so. Uh, I'm going to go West Ham. I think I'm going to play it safe. I, I don't think the teams around them, like Newcastle had like a slight run at the end of the season that got them up to 12th. I don't think they're that good. Villa losing Grealish, I think is very problematic. So I don't think they're there either. The more I just kind of eliminated teams that are kind of the conventional mid-tablers, the more West Ham just come across as one of the more stable ones. So, yeah, I'm going West Ham. I'm also going West Ham. I think 
very solid and reliable team last year. I don't see any reason to think that they'll be less reliable. It's kind of a David Moyes team, right? Saw a similar thing when he was Everton manager. A little bit falls into the the same category as Benitez for me. You know he will get the most out of that squad of players. They've been not had the most exciting transfer window ever, but given the fact that they were just solid and reliable, they probably didn't need to have one. Ariola is a good addition. He was always... He had an unlucky career, I think, at PSG, and that he was somehow managed to kind of be consistently second string, even though I think you could make the argument he should have been first-choice goalkeeper for a significant chunk of that time. Uh, so, yeah, I think West Ham will have a, a good season and finish finish ninth. Frank, is well, it another talk- clean sweep? No. Actually, West Ham is not my top 10. Draw. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I just think the issue with them is now you add the Europa League in there and they're something they're not used to and losing Lingard and they haven't replaced that. I think he's going to be a bigger loss than they think. Um, so I have them dropping to 11th. So I am actually going with Villa at nine. They lost Grealish. That's disappointing. But they do have a lot of good signings this year so far. Um, and I think their team is pretty strong. And, you know, you still have Ollie Watkins, who's going to have a career year up front for me. And that's kind of part of the reason why I'm picking them. Uh, but you have Buen Dia they signed, uh, who I think is going to be really good, Danny Ings. So I, I think they have a pretty solid team. I'll just... I've got Villa a couple places lower. My big reason is I think Grealish is such a big loss for them. So when you look at last season, they averaged 1.75 points per game. When Grealish was in the side, they averaged 0.93 points per game when Grealish was not in the side. That is a massive gap. And so I agree with you. They've signed some good players, but those are huge boots to fill. And I don't know... You know, when we're talking about a player... Sexy boots. Huge calves. Massive. No one will fill those calves. But when we're talking about a player who I think is has the potential to be world-class, they haven't signed anyone who has the potential to be world-class and pull the strings against a higher level of opposition and be a match winner against almost anyone. And that's not a knock on Villa and the fact that he left and what they've tried to do in replacing him. But I think virtually irreplaceable for a club of that stature. And I can't see them not feeling some ill effects from him having left. Yeah. One of the notes I have is they only won two out of 12 league matches when he was out from injury. So clearly going to be a factor. But also the, the interesting thing about Villa is they've got the opposite problem. Well, City don't have a problem with it, but they've got the opposite in that. I actually think that Villa signing Ings and having Watkins, I don't think they'll... They're not short of the opportunity to score goals, but the problem is someone like Grealish would get the ball to them. And I worry about that kind of creativity they have behind them to get the deliveries they need to these good goal scorers they have. So that's one of the reasons I worry for Grealish. And like you say, if you sell someone for 100 million, you can't replace that. (laughs) If you're Aston Villa, almost impossible to replace unless you find some sort of like young talent that becomes incredible. Yeah. You can't well you can't really they, I mean, replace it. So they are going to be worse. They did sign the championship player of the season. 
I would draw parallels. I'm, so, so, so you're bringing in a young player who could potentially, no, obviously so, not fill Grealish's role, right? But he when, could be another future. Buendia is a very good player, and Leon Bailey is also a good player. I don't think they're bad signings, but I would draw strong parallels to to when, and not that Villa are in the position that Spurs were when Gareth Bale left, but to when Gareth Bale did leave and Spurs signed this handful of players, the best of whom was Christian Eriksen. And I guess the second best is probably Eric Lamella. It wasn't a terrible bit of business in how they tried to replace him and they got talent out of it. But fundamentally, you can't, you know, there aren't many players of the quality of Jack Grealish playing outside of the big teams in world football. And you're not going to, it's highly unlikely, even if Wendy is a really good signing or Leon Bailey is a really good sign, signing, it's highly unlikely that either one of them get to that level. So I just think they'll just, they won't be quite as good. The Villa on their, the best of Villa last season is going to be significantly better than the best of Villa this season. And that will come into play at some point. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I I will argue against is, you know, the stats of only winning two of the 12 and the the difference in the goals. That's, you're playing with missing a player that's normally there. Whereas now you can kind of adapt your team in a different way, knowing that he's obviously not going to be there. So I I think being able to adapt and change their their game plan a little bit, they're going to be more successful than when they're just missing him when they actually had him. But you're right, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, next up for me then, as I said, I don't have Villa next. I've got Leeds next, who blew hot and cold last season. Very exciting on their day. Can't defend some other days. I think it will be more of the same. They're going to pull off some stunning results. They're a lot of fun to watch. They've got some good players. I just don't totally believe in them in the way that they would I would need to to put them f- sort of firmly in the top half of the table and so you know then I look at the players they've bought in a lot of question marks over a lot of them you know Jack Harrison who knows even even Furpo who knows they've not lost anyone significant so I think it will be sort of more of the same but they're going to they're going to be giant killers a couple of times in the season you know they'll be the team that beats city they'll be the team that beats united and then they'll lose to brentford and norwich on the bounce eddie 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 you're killing me with this consistency with me here because i've gone leads in 10th as well so look you're right about um Beesler is that he's not going to change his approach to being an entertaining team. And when you look at the expected goals, when we talk about that great one, so they go into it, they by a mile had the highest in any game they went into. So they were expecting just under three and a half a game, 3.35 to be exact. Um, that won't change. They'll probably do something similar, but the interesting thing about them is um, last season, what gives me a bit of hope for their defending is that, of the last 10 games from the 30 points available, they picked up 23 and only conceded eight. So there is life there in terms of defending. They do have 
someone that's a very, very good and respected goal scorer in Bamford as well up front. So they will continue to score goals. If they get that defence a slightly better, I think they'll just have just as good a season. Uh, yeah, I, I, I actually think they'll be pretty good. They they certainly won't be near the relegation fight, in my opinion. And I think they're heading pretty comfortably for mid-table again, which is good on them. It's 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 pretty good. Well, Leeds are a very Jekyll and Hyde club. You either like them or you don't in that respect. But um, I don't particularly like them. No. I don't even really like the way they play. I think it's overrated, but it's still them finishing. What do I have them? 11th is still, or 10th. 10th? Oh, wait, I got, I've got 10th. 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 Yeah. yeah, sorry, 10th. Still finishing 10th is is good. Frank, who's 10th for you then? I guess it's going to have to be... for me are Wolves. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Tell us why. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, after two good years of finishing, what, seventh, right? They then dropped to 13th. Um, I think the main thing is Raul Jimenez doesn't have a fractured skull anymore. So, I think him coming back is going to really improve that team. Uh, They just got um, the Barcelona youngster francisco trinqueo on loan so i think he's going to help a lot um kind of give some of that young energy onto the team and and i think they're just going to kind of settle back into where they were you know going from 7 7 13th i think you know eddie said that lester's going to fall from grace i think they had a little fall and i think they'll settle back up a little bit into the top 10 i think I think the biggest problem for Wolves for me is losing the manager that did that for them is obviously the bigger blow with Nuno at Spurs now. Um, but also Rua Patricio left, if I understand right. He's gone to Italy. I think it's Roma. I can't remember. I think he's gone to Serie A anyway. So they've lost a very good goalkeeper. They've lost a manager who I think made them perform above the uh, where they were. Um, I... I see them struggling a little bit. Look, they're not going to get relegated. They're not going to be in that fight. But I just see them a couple of places lower than we're talking at the moment, kind of that 12th, 13th mark. Yeah, I agree with you. And and yes, Patricio went to Roma. I'm also a little bit worried that you have one Portuguese manager who comes in and does a great job. And obviously, Wolves have a very so strong get another. Portuguese contingent. <laughs> they almost don't have a choice because I imagine they have to speak Portuguese a lot in training and stuff. But it just does worry me that you have reduced the pool of potential candidates by saying we've got to go to Portugal. Um, so re- re- real quick, I'll just drop in my 11 and 12. My 11 is West Ham and my 12 is Leeds. So as we already discussed. Worth noting, though, that Wolves have signed one of the football manager darlings in Nori, who is a wonder kid consistently in the football manager universe. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to convert that into a real play on the pitch in the Premier League quickly. So we've got Frank's 11 and 12. For me, it's pretty simple, I suppose. I have Wolves in 11th and I have Villa in 12th. I will say for me, I think there is a divide. There's always that moment. You know, you might call it the Mendoza line if you were talking in baseball again. I think the 
division between the good teams and the not so good teams in the Premier League this season is the top half, bottom half split. I see a pretty big drop off between the teams I'm putting in the top half, the top the top ten with the rest. So you think ten is your cutoff? Ten is my cutoff, yeah. Don't disagree with the logic. It sounds a boring place to put the cutoff right in the middle of the league. But for me, you know, I think that cutoff would can range from like seventh to twelfth, depending on the season. And for me it's tenth this year. <laughs> if I could separate good and bad in an even numbered league, I'd go ten. <laughs> Uh, for me, I think I just swapped them with you. I, so I'm going Villa uh, below Leeds and then um, Wolves to uh, prop it up. This is where it gets interesting now because you're talking, I think, 13th downwards. Fundamentally, they may be struggling at some point, right? So you're obviously looking at a team that starts well and drops, like Southampton, for example, or you're looking for a team that starts terribly and increases like Newcastle last season. Then you've got the relegated sides that we, uh, sorry, the promoted sides that we haven't spoken about. Uh, This is where I wouldn't say it's surprising that a team could be 13th and you would say it's a good season, but this is where a slight surprise comes in it for me because I've seen their odds and it does surprise me a little bit and it's Crystal Palace. I'm going to put quite high up there. I will say... Sam, just before you give your reasons, every team from now on for me are relegation candidates and the goal for this season is to stay up. Uh, Yeah, I I, I think at 13th, you're either, like I said, you're either already safe because you've had a good start to the season and you don't need that many points, Southampton, or you're in a fight and then you had a good end to the season, Newcastle, and looks way better than it actually was. I'm going to put Palace there. I've seen them actually among, as far as kind of like the established Premier League clubs, I've seen them as a um, some of the favourites, I guess. But, you know, they've got a big amount of transition, right? So they've, they're, they're losing a very conservative style of play with Roy Hodgson. They're going to Patrick Vieira, who is an unknown, to say the very least. But also they're going to have a massive amount of change with their, the kind of old guard in the team as well. So, uh I think I've written down to say, what have I got? Andros Townsend, Van Anholt, uh, Sacco, Wayne Hennessy, James McCarthy, Gary Cahill, Scott Dan, all 30 above, all gone. So they've lost that. You would consider it kind of a backbone. But, you know, they've still got Wilfred Zaha there. Vieira is clearly from all the rhetoric he's been saying, putting a lot of expectation on him. Um, is it Eze? I, I never know how to pronounce his name. Like, Easy, easy. I think it's easy. Yeah, easy, easy. Easy is going to come back from a long-term injury. Maybe not for the first couple of games, but he'll be back, which will help them. It's look, they they're really hard to predict, but I just think they have. They're going to have a young side. They're going to do new things. Um, they've invested in centre backs, so they've got um, Guhi from uh, Chelsea in the under twenty threes, and Jurchim Anderson from Leon. So. They've got young centre-backs. They're going to change from a conservative style of play that a lot of people criticised in the Crystal Palace, kind of faithful. They're going to go to a more attacking, a more exciting play. I think they're going to unleash people like um, Zaha and Ize more. And I think the fans will get behind them, and I think it will be good. I think Selhurst Park's another one of those places where crowds back will help. Um, But yeah, for me, I've got them finishing better 
than people are suggesting they'll finish. I disagree pretty strongly on your palace optimism. For me, I have Brighton coming in next. A team that struggled to score last season. I find it difficult to see why that will change too much. Although, again, for the sort of sabermetrics stats heads out there, they are one of those teams that significantly underperformed relative to the number of chances they created. So even just getting slightly closer to what you would have thought, they become significantly better. Obviously, the big miss is Ben White. Apart from that, they've not lost too much. They've managed to add a couple of interesting players. Uh, Muepu being the kind of standout, I suppose, from Salzburg. I don't feel super confident about putting Brighton in this position. Wouldn't stun me if they ended up being relegated, but I think they'll have just enough class and know-how to pick up points, and I've got them finishing, what is this, 13th? Yeah, for me, this is where I have so many scratch-outs and arrows going back and forth. Um, As of right this second, I've settled on Southampton uh, for reasons I'm not completely sure. So Danny Ings is gone. That's going to really hit them, I think. But you have a huge scoring threat coming into town in the form of Adam Armstrong. So um, hopefully he can be as effective a goal scorer in the Premier League as he was in Championship League. But I'm not super confident at all, so I, I don't have much reasoning. I mean, I'll say on Southampton, they struggled to score score, score goals in the past. Ings is a big loss for them. Yeah. Adam Armstrong is a good player. He can score goals from pretty much anywhere. He is very selfish. That's not necessarily ideal when a team is struggling. He does rely a lot on his pace, which at a Premier League level, his pace will not be as much of a standout. You know, when you're in the championship, you get up, up, up against a lot of slow central defenders who part of the reason why they're at that level is because they don't quite have that same athleticism that you get out of Premier League defenders. So I think he won't find it quite as easy to find the space that he got in the championship. I don't think he's a bad signing. I don't think he's a great one. So I'm quite low on Southampton this season. Sam, who do you have coming next? Uh, Where are we looking now? 14th? Uh, I have really blandly gone Newcastle. They are just the definition of that team that will finish in 14th. And that's how I saw it. I I just, okay, if I sign Willock from Arsenal, which I'm hearing they've agreed a fee, but there's apparently a lot of backlash about it. So it might be, I don't know if it's happening. Um, it, It sounds pretty underwhelming. They always sound like a club in turmoil. I don't, I don't really like Newcastle if I'm completely honest. Even when St. James's is kind of rocking and they've got all the fans back in. Again, I think it's one of those places where they're 2-0 down in 20 minutes and that crowd suddenly stands for nothing. So sometimes I'm not sure. I think Steve Bruce isn't the greatest manager to have. 12 flattered them. So I think they'll do slightly worse. So, yeah, I can't say too much about them. I also have them slotted in 14 as well. 
makes it easy, then this is my, I think, probably my boldest prediction. I have Norwich finishing 14th. I wondered who was going to bring the first relegate, well, promoted club. I keep saying relegated, they're gone. Well, they failed miserably. There has to be one, right? <laughs> yeah, they failed miserably last time, you know, two years ago when they got their chance in the Premier League. Came in in very similar fashion, having dominated the championship. They once again dominated the championship last year, were clearly the best team. They've lost Brendia. It looks like they might also lose uh, Cantwell. So two of their most talented players may be well may well be going out. But they've signed some interesting players from around the world of football. They have this tendency to identify talent. And I think, I just think that with that little bit of experience of having previously gone through it two seasons ago, they benefit from it this time, and this is they fall into that category of the yo-yo club that just yo's this season. Yeah, they've got that great American talent signing in Josh Sargent. Exactly. Golden age for, for American football. Up next, I guess I will, I will go. This is where Newcastle for, fall for me. Don't love it. If you told me they finished 20th, it wouldn't stun me. They are always in some form of disarray. But they finish the season well. They do have some talented attacking players in their side. And Steve Bruce, I don't think he's an amazing manager, but he is one of... He's not Sam Allardyce, but he's not far off falling into that category of just a manager who, if you've got a team down the bottom of the Premier League, he's going to know how to grind results out at some point. And certainly if it gets towards the end of the season and Newcastle are 17th, 18th, and you have some of the newly promoted sides in and around, I would just back them to go on a run of winning three out of five or not losing for six matches and somehow pulling away, similar to what they did last season. So that's why I'm putting them there. Okay. Uh, I think I've got to give my previous one as well, where you had Norwich. I went for another promoted club. No, I had Norwich where you had Newcastle. Oh, whoops. Okay. Okay, I'll go next. Um, I got Brentford. So I'm not going Norwich. Well, I'm not going Norwich in terms of like the best promoted club. I'm going Brentford. And I think it's a massive risk because you're relying on Tony scoring the goals he did, or at least a similar level. I don't think, I think 31 or whatever he had last season would be a pretty special um, first foray in the Premier League. But it was, they had an out and out goal scorer, which is obviously massively important when goals matter so much down there. But also when you look at their defensive quality as well in the championship, I think they only conceded maybe like eight shots a game on average, which was super low. I I just think out of the promoted clubs, they're the ones with a weapon, like a real out-and-out out weapon to do something to survive. And I think, I yeah, I just think that they'll be the ones that do it. So I have uh, Brighton finishing 15th, finished 16th last year and lost Ben White. So I can't be too optimistic about them. But um, And then 16th, I have Norwich. Right now, this is where things do truly get interesting. 17th, I've got Burnley. 
Well, you didn't do your 16th. Sorry, 16th. I've got Burnley. Sorry. Just getting the numbers. Part of me hates it because, again, (laughs) they struggle to (laughs) score goals. They're not even that solid defensively. They're just very boring. But again, with Sean Dyche and just experienced players, they are a team that will grind out awful draws and pick up points and win matches in an ugly way. And I think experience will tell. And so I think they stay up. I think they are nearing their shelf life in the Premier League is close to expiring. But I think they survive this season. Uh, for me, I've got Southampton. Uh, you've already spoken about Southampton. I, I don't have much to add in terms of like, would Armstrong replace Ings? Uh, they lost Bertrand, but they got someone called Perot. So it's a case of whether he'll perform. But I think um, they've got enough individuals that can do something about it there to keep them, you know, a little bit above the relegation spot. So um, if they don't fire, they've got big problems. But I think that there are enough of replacements there for people they've lost for them to do something with. So, yeah, I've got Southampton in uh, 16th. And I'll make things quick. We've already spoken about them. I have Southampton 17th. I have Crystal Palace 17th. Just just squeezing as much juice as they can out of Zaha to not get relegated. Squeezing them to death. <laughs> so I have Brighton. I've been taking up the last survival spot. Um, Eddie's already mentioned it. You know, it's funny because they actually did really well with possession and actually dominating teams a lot of the time, but they just can't put it in the net. But they did have Ben White, Lewis Dunk at the back, which meant that they kind of supported the the disparity up front. Um, last four seasons, 15th, 17th, 15th, 16th. So I don't think it's that bad to say 17th. Um, I just think it's going to be a struggle without Ben White this season. I think that's the big problem for them. So yeah, I've got them just avoiding relegation well now we come the three teams that are going to be very very disappointed with this season so i'm now on to a team that you have both picked to stay up and that is crystal palace who i have finishing 18th they do have talent in their team like zaha i think he will win them some matches but again when you look at the statistics last season they really outperformed where they should have been. So they're based on their expected goal difference. They were 28.4 above their expected goal difference based on attacking and defensive expected goals. So either they have to continue to statistically outperform week in, week out, or even if they just are the same team they were last season, they probably go down. So... For me, they're in 18th, and I'm only giving them the edge over the the bottom two in the sense that they have experience and Zaha. Why don't you give your bottom two as well? Because we're kind of all in a similar range. Yeah, of who we like have where, left. where are we all putting Watford, basically? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm putting Brentford next. I agree with you that they have, you know, Tony is an intriguing prospect in the Premier League. Defensively, they were very, very good in the championship. I'm just very wary of expecting that teams can convert 
good defensive performances in the championship to good defensive performances in the Premier League. And I also worry that when your identity is being defensively solid, if that goes out the window in the first three months of the season, if they just get ripped to shreds by a few Premier League teams, then it's a question of now who are we? Whereas when I look at Norwich as a promoted side, I think they can kind of fall back on that idea of, well, we just got to score more. We've got to be more attacking. We have to create chances. We have to do the thing that got us here. And for Brentford, it's going to be tough. So I don't think they'll pick up enough points. I hate them, by the way. And this is, I hate what they stand for from a footballing perspective. I admire them from a business perspective in not having an academy. And they've been wonderful in the transfer uh, in, in the transfer dealings that they've had and fundamentally the business model that they have is more sustainable than what most football clubs have and we're actually trying hard to get some people from Brentford to come on the podcast to talk about their business model and their approach to scouting however it saddens me to have a football club in the Premier League that has no academy and has no possibility of having a homegrown player I, if I were a Brentford supporter Yes, getting to the Premier League probably justifies that decision, but it would still bother me. And then, yeah, I've got Watford bottom. I think they are by far the worst team in the league. Hard to see what's going to be good about them. They weren't that impressive at times in the championship anyway, and I think they'll be they'll struggle to score and they'll concede a lot of goals. So rock bottom, feel very confident about them being bottom of the lot. Um, so, yeah, I've got Burnley going down. Uh, in 18th so um, I know Eddie's kind of touched upon like what they are as kind of a Premier League outfit there what was interesting though is when they had this US consortium buy them they actually said they were going to invest and inject money into it and then you see Nathan Collins get signed from Stoke as the only signing and you're like ooh ambitious Uh, they score expected goals of 1.13 I don't feel like this team will improve, but also the interesting thing is, right, they're going to be dragged down. And even though we say like Watford are are going to be bottom and it's pretty easy. Like I think Norwich, Watford and Brentford are better promoted teams than the three were last season, like West Brom, Fulham, and um, I can't remember their name, Uh, Leeds. Um, I think it will be tougher for them at the bottom. Like all three teams last season, Sheffield United, um, and the other two, uh, Fulham and West Brom, they all finish with below 30 points. I don't see that happening again. I, I think that teams will pick up more points, maybe Watford, the exception there. Um, but the interesting thing as well is like Burnley are going to have to make some tough choices about some of their best players this season, like Tukowski. He's got 12 months on his contract. They're going to have to cash in. The cl- a club like Burnley will have to cash in rather than just let him see him go on a free. So I think they're only going to get weaker as the season goes on. So I've got them finishing 18th and that is the end of their five. Well, this is their sixth year. And then I've got Norwich and Watford propping them up. I I just don't think they have the qualities, um, Watford especially. Um, Watford have kind of struck me this season as the club like West Brom last season where they were like, we're up there, we'll take the money, we'll just go down again and then we'll rebuild properly. That's how it feels with the rhetoric they're saying. So yeah, the the bottom three for me are Burnley, Norwich, Watford. Yeah, I'm pretty similar. So I've got Burnley, Brentford, Watford, um, for all the same reasons. Um, 
Burnley, I don't know if they'll even hit double digits for goals this season. So they're about the most boring boring club to ever watch. Burnley to get nine or less goals in a (laughs) 38-game campaign. And then Brentford and Watford for all the same reasons that all you guys said. Well, a lot of overlap, but some pretty key differences in our predictions. I mean, just the fact that none of us have agreed on the bottom three is kind of interesting. So pretty. But we similar. all have at least like one of another's. Yeah. Two teams. Of, like, two teams are selected in each of our. There's a. Yeah. There's a common two, amongst yeah. the the nine we have chosen. If you see it out of the. So. Yeah. If we are to well, be right, then it doesn't look good for Burnley, Brentford, or Watford, basically. No. If uh, yeah. if we crowdsource our relegation predictions, it's those three going down. <laughs> yeah, compared to compared to last season, you know, where I think one of you had Leeds going down, I had them having a good season, but Newcastle, I think someone. <laughs> Sam, had them we get a- it. You <laughs> predicted Leeds. No, but what I, what I'm saying is that. Our bandings were correct in this season, right? That's it. Like, you know, we've all got kind of everyone roughly around the same space, especially I don't, in the top 10. I mean, I've, got, I've gone pretty high on Norwich. You've gone pretty high on Palace. There's there's some decent disagreement there. Oh, pretty high on Southampton. Yeah. Frank's high on Southampton. I'm high on, Brent, on Brighton. Who's top goal scorer? I mean, is it just Kane regardless? Harry Kane, yeah. I mean, the only question mark for me is what happens with his transfer saga because, you know, if he... I can't see the transfer going through by this weekend and I can't see him playing this weekend. So he's missing one match already, which, you know, when you're competing for top goal scorer, that's a blow. So maybe the smart money is Salah. But I would... What's can you run me through the like the top five? So it's Harry Kane is favorite 100 to 30. Interestingly enough, it's got the club by them, so I'm assuming that's enough of an inquiry for them to state like you can't just have Harry Kane, it, it's got to be 100 to 30 because he's a Spurs, whereas he might be six to four if he's at Man City, I guess. But either way, it's Harry Kane, Salah, um, Gabriel Jesus at Man City, uh, Werner. Fernandez at Man U, Sterling, uh, Diego Jota at Liverpool, Calvert Lewin, Mane, Vardy, Bamford, and Abamyang are kind of the, the so, top. So no Lukaku yet. No. no. You'd have to assume that Lukaku might take the kind of Werner position Werner. in that list. Yeah. I have yeah. to admit, and this is gonna make makes me slightly sick to say, but the player who would interest me the most might be Obamayang. What are the odds on Aubameyang? 25s. Got to have a bit much better season than last season. Sure. For sure. <laughs> but it might interest me. The thing that would worry me a bit, I assume Harry Kane would take penalties. Yeah, I guess he would take penalties for City. You, you know, I guess you, that's why Fernandez is there, right? Well, you have to be a penalty taker to be top yeah. goal scorer. It's just too hard otherwise. Because you are... What about someone like Bamford? No. Just, just no. <laughs> I just can't see him scoring, t- you know, nearly thirty goals. 
but I have to admit, I, I don't really have any hot takes. You know, last last year I had two, and this year I, I don't really think I have any. I was close to pushing Liverpool out of my top four. That would have been it, but I decided against it in the end. The only The only slight take I would say that we've all got versus what the bookies have is that they seem fairly confident that Newcastle will be kind of closer to relegation than I think we've put, you know, we've put Southampton, like Southampton 100 to 30, Newcastle 11 to 4, and then they go Burnley 5 to 2, Palace 7 to 4, and then the promoted sides are kind of around even money. I don't know, that just feels a bit skinny for me. I don't think Newcastle will be relegated, but I Brighton won't. at 6 to 1 is interesting. Like considering I've got them like skimping relegation 17th yeah um six to one sounds pretty far away yeah yeah that wraps it up hopefully we are as accurate as we were last season in which case if you're listening to this you probably didn't listen last year because our listenership has grown significantly anyway and on top of it i think there's been turnover you know, 12 months, people move on, people, new people come in. You can just, you don't have to take our words for it. We were very accurate 12 months ago. So hopefully we will be again. Also worth saying, if you are a listener and you do enjoy the podcast, I know that the main way that podcasts are spread is through word of mouth. So we would just encourage you to recommend the podcast to people that you know, as that does just help us to grow. And, uh, it's obviously a good thing if you like listening. I mean, I know it's a bit disappointing. It's like liking a, your favorite band if they become too popular. If we turn into Joe Rogan, then you are you can turn on us. But until we get that popular, I think you can continue to support our growth. Any other topics from, uh, from the week? No. So what's the first match kickoff? Uh, Brentford Arsenal, v. Right? Arsenal on Friday. Friday evening game. Classic. Fucking classic. Well, to be fair, the Friday <laughs> evening games have been pretty good. Like, I think <laughs> Arsenal a few years ago had like a 4-3 four, four against Leicester. Yeah. And didn't so Liverpool did... had that super... They demolished a team, I think, on the opening day once. It's like 5-0 or something. Yeah. Like it, it seems to have worked well, the Friday evening kind I of... I mean, it's technically right a London derby, right? It doesn't... It's not really, yeah. but it technically is. It is Doesn't, a London. Now, game. Eddie, what does the score need to be for Sam to come on super optimistic on next podcast? Four nil. But four he, nil, he's all in. I don't think he's all in, but I think if they look defensively, if, if, so, wait, if if it's four nil, does he come in and revise and move Arsenal no, no, up to can't. the top five? He can't. <laughs> he can't. We have it in writing. Now we know where he thinks they are. Just keep amending the league until you get the exact league. <laughs> I mean, Arsenal beat Fulham 3-0 on the opening day last season. So they're going to have to do more than that because I was optimistic about them from that game. But no, um, no, it'd be interesting. It'll be nice to have football back. Spice up the weekends a bit. Give me more to do overall. Something to distract me from the mundane existence of Oh, daily God. life <laughs> go to bed eddie <laughs> and then we also had 
NFL back and Hard Knocks is back. Are you going to watch Hard Knocks? That's what I want to ask you guys before we go. I'm not really a Hard Knocks person. No? No, I kind of got over it. Too real for you? I just know. I just kind of feel like I know what I'm going to get from Hard Knocks. And I'm I'm not that into it. Maybe if they did the Niners hard knocks, I'd probably watch. But otherwise, no, nah, I can I can leave it. That would have been a good one to do, but I mean I have to assume most teams just say no and refuse to do it. I mean talking because I think Oh, I mean the Niners. That would have been think, a good one, right? I think the Niners are a, a never to hard knocks, I think. But yeah. Talking about optimism. I mean the Niners, the 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 word coming out of camp and practice about Trey Lance being the most impressive rookie quarterback that people have seen. I mean, gosh. Really? Because I heard there is 100% Jimmy G is starting. No, Jimmy G is definitely starting. That No matter who you listen to. And that Trey Lance has a lot of work and a lot of things no. to learn. No, no, no. Everything, no. everything no. coming out is basically the is Jimmy G will be starting the season. But it is a question of when, not if, Trey Lance takes his job over the course of the regular season. And the only question mark at the moment is that with the way it has to work, Trey Lance plays basically against the second string defense. And Jimmy G is playing against the first string defense. And there's obviously a a decent drop off between those two. And so that maybe some of the things that Trey Lance is doing, he couldn't do against NFL elite defensive players but that is people <laughs> raving about him and then trying to temper the expectations but every, nation everyone all of the coaching staff the head coach <laughs> lynch everyone is just coming out and saying how impressive he is and they can't believe how well he's carrying himself handling the situation how good of an arm he has just how athletic he is could be Anything else? He's a great chef. Just how nice of a guy Gives he is. great back massages. Holds the door open. <laughs> Doesn't molest masseuses. Great is handwriting. It? Don't interest a Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Can really spell. Well, he's got an easy name. That helps. Would you consider that two first names? Does he have a, a two first name name? Well, Lance Armstrong. Yeah, I guess. Lance, I wouldn't say is... It's not common enough as a first name to say it's a two first name name, but it's... Does Jimmy Garoppolo have a two first name name? (laughs) He just doesn't have a name. (laughs) But, yeah. Well, if you've enjoyed our Premier League preview, we will do something similar for the NFL pretty soon. I guess you're like... Maybe three weeks away from us taking a similar team by team look and making our predictions yeah. for the upcoming NFL season. And spoiler alert, maybe it wasn't the Lions I was hot on. Maybe it was Matthew Stafford all along. Okay, so the Rams are going to have a terrible <laughs> oh, season. Oh my days. <laughs> this guy and his curse. <laughs> Why does he say these things? All right, well, I'll talk to you later, boys. See ya.